You know, there's always that saying, it's all about the motion in the ocean. If uh, that is the case, why do y'all get C-sections? Welcome to episode 19 of Often Beats. My name's Clint Nelson. 19th episode is a very important episode because, uh, in case y'all don't know, my birthday is October, and as you may guess it, 19th. So that's really the only attachment I have to the number 19. Other than that, it's really just a random number. It's a, it's a day that I decided to come into this world, ironically, even though technically I didn't make that decision, but I'm here. Was I uh, on purpose? By absolutely no means. And the reality is that's more than okay, because I would assume about 96% of people on this earth were not made on purpose. And I think we are better off for that. Because the expectations are really low when you think about it. If you were accident, spur of the moment, chances are uh, your parents weren't prepared to have you. Chances are they weren't in a place in their life where they would uh, go out of the way to have kids. But you know what? We make their lives better. We bring purpose to the life that maybe they didn't have before. Us stress balls of fetuses bring them a purpose. And that's our purpose. They bring purpose to our lives. We bring purpose to their lives. It's a win-win, baby. We uh, pull their ribs like Adam and Eve. Nice dry rub. Except um, not a whole lot of seasoning going on here, if you get my drift. I do have a, some pepper look. But um, typically it's um, below the Orion's belt. And um, I don't even wear belts at all. Because um, if I was a woman, they would say I'm full-figured. But when you're a man, you're just fat. I got curves. Nah, you got rolls. It's funny. Uh, call it fruit roll-up. Because when my fruit's hanging... I can uh, roll it up with the extra skin I have in my pubic region. The extra excess. That's when you know, like, forget your stomach. Forget, you know, if you're gaining a little weight in the cheeks on uh, both sides. The worst part is when you're gaining weight and the, the bottom cheeks aren't even growing. They're actually shrinking. It means you need to hit your glutinous. Hit the glutes. And uh, lay off the glute as well. Um, but typically, it's kind of a lose-lose when you're gaining weight in all the wrong areas. And uh, losing the stuff in the right areas. I forgot where I was going with this. Hmm. Shocker. Clint forgetting. Oh yeah, purpose. Me bringing purpose to my mom's life. Us un unwanted no I'm not gonna say that but it's surprise kids 
they uh we bring we make this world better but where i was going with this is when you think about it when you're a quote-unquote surprise child and uh you weren't um they didn't you know go through the I never understand those people. They're like, we're trying. We're trying. We're going to keep on trying. It's like, damn, why does it take six months? If it ain't happened after six months, maybe there's some chemistry issues. Maybe your ribosomes aren't really uh, attaching. But I'm an idiot. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about in that. But when you're a surprise child, you just come out. And I think... I think there's kind of like a beautiful thing when you weren't exactly planned for. When uh you uh came into the plans because um your father coming wasn't in the plans, but he made it the plans. Don't need to go into that story, but whatever. Here we are. Here I am. Yeah, number nineteen. Here I came. Come over. And then maybe um, on the 19th, we can have an unexpected child that we try for, that I purposely try to have. But it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. You know, birth, bringing a child into this world, expect their unexpected is probably the most useful thing you can do in the world. You can have billions of dollars. But if you have nothing to leave behind, what's the point of the billions of dollars? But I'm pretty sure if you were to ask your parents to do a do-over, they were to say, go back in time. And they were able to see the future and see the kid that will come of either. You can choose the path of having your kid again and giving them life. Or here's a billion dollars. Hate the burst your unconditional love bubble. But you and I would not be here. Nor should you. This whole thing of people over money. Always choose the kids over money. Nah, fuck that. If, if I find out. If I found out that my parents chose me over a billion dollars. I mean, talk about the pressure. But when you're an unexpected child, there's really no pressure. You could be a bum your whole life. It's like, hey, I didn't ask to be here. But if you try to have a kid and your kid becomes a bum or ain't shit, like, talk about a waste of 18, 19, 20 years of, you know, raising a child. Talk about a waste of... Of all the stress you brought to yourself. Thinking I'm going to leave a legacy behind. I want to nurture. And then they grow up. And um, they can't even uh, do laundry. They can't even uh, cook some eggs. Imagine going through all that stress. As a mother or father. Wanting. Going out of your way. Taking some Viagra. Increasing your sperm count. Going to the doctor. You actually start eating all the mixed salad fruit bullshit. Eat all those pineapples for volume. 
all that. And you just got a bunch of little cum guzzlers running around. They ain't shit. But see, if you're unexpected, expectations are low. It's like anything you do is a bonus. Anything I do is a bonus. If your parents try to have you and they actually had aspirations for you to like get a degree or like, you know, make something of yourself. No pressure, but damn. That'd be a very, very tough thing to deal with. Imagine trying hard for a child and just bringing an inconvenient, inconsiderate little fuck like 28% of the population of this earth is. And I'm literally just grabbing the number out of my ass because it's who I am. But yeah, 19, very special number. I remember when I was 19, I actually uh, technically had my first girlfriend at the age of 19. Maybe been 18. It was right out of high school. Um, I remember I never even used my phone at that time. I remember exactly where I was. It was like my second week at my first job at a McDonald's. Yes, pretty stereotypical. First job at a McDonald's. If you want hours, by the way, just go work in McDonald's. They'll give you hours. Um, but I was waiting for my mom to pick me up because, you know, I didn't have a vehicle at the time. Sitting in the lobby, sitting at the high chair. Sounds like I'm an infant, but I'm not. And uh, this uh, girl I worked with, not going to say her name, you know, protect her identity in case one day I become rich and famous. And then she'll, then everyone comes after her. Oh, man, he's the one that got away. And I can tell you, the last thing she thinks about me these days is I'm the one that got away. But uh, so I had this, I had my uh, phone. I remember the texting coloring was orange. I don't know why. But orange was my favorite color. And uh, she came up to me. I was sitting there waiting for my mom. She came over there with some small talk. And then she asked me for my number. And as an idiot at the time, I was just like, my head, I'm like, why? I remember it was like 5 p.m. she was asking. So I gave her my number, like, cool. And later that night, she texted me. And uh, my uh, youth exuberance came out of me. I learned what it was like talking to someone on a daily basis. And she was absolutely miserable the whole time she was with me. But for me, it was great. I got to lay my foundation on uh, my thoughts on someone that didn't really want it. Pretty sure after the first three weeks, she regretted it. She also held the fact that I didn't have a car um, at the time against me a lot, even though the car she had was not really hers. It was like her dad's, but whatever. No need to get into that. It's not here to take shots or nothing, but I do find that kind of contradicting. I find a way to make a beautiful story, something that's supposed to be a monumental point in my life, something that really you know, taught me a lot, and somehow I bring a little spite into it, I don't know why, I hold a lot of things against people, I hold a lot of grudges, I don't know why, actually I do know why, but I shouldn't, I'm a child of God, 
by technicality. If he's real, I don't know. She didn't really believe in God, even though um, she probably needed him a lot. I need him. But, anyways, as I was saying, she... There's something you learn at that young of an age. I was never really into talking all the time. Still really ain't. But I've adjusted to it more as I've, you know, dated the likeliness of these lovely ladies in my life over the past four or five years. I've learned a lot. And more importantly, that situation, it's kind of like... it. it it's not ever really that like first love type of thing, because I wouldn't say we ever loved each other nothing. And it also only lasts for four months. Typically a common thing between me and any girl I'm with never lasts long in uh many capacities. <sighs> Damn. Somehow I made a something that's supposed to be happy pretty sad. I really need to work on myself. But nah, that's for pussies. Anyone that says, I need to work on myself, what does that fucking mean? It's funny how everyone can double task, do this and that and other in everyday life, but the second um, they need to work on themselves, they can't work on themselves and treat people okay. I don't get it. But, you know, it's all about your self-positivity. Even if, um, by default, you actually cause negativity. Double negatives until um, you're HIV positive. I really hope my first uh, girlfriend's not HIV positive. I really do not hope that. You know, I hope uh, she's living her best life, as the kids say these days. More importantly, I hope she's just living her truth. Even if with me, everything she said was ever a lie. Like, I care for you. But then at work, she would just talk shit the whole fucking time. And then I'll confront her about it. And then I learned never to touch a girl's hair. Especially her hair. Because apparently, she could sit here and uh, talk shit about all the ways that I'm such a terrible, Clint's such a terrible communicator. He never communicates his feelings. He never communicates when he's mad. When in reality, I was never mad. You never did anything to make me fucking mad. So, the only reason why I got fucking mad was because you would accuse me of being fucking mad when I was actually not mad. Because there's no reason to be fucking mad. Because we didn't talk about anything to be fucking mad. But hey... Young love. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, if I could go back and do it all again. I'm not like these people who say, I wouldn't change a thing. Because you know what? If um, you change anything, you had to learn from it. it. Made you a better person. You know, you learn from it so you don't make the same mistakes again. But um, the thing is, I really never felt I did anything wrong. And... I'm the definition of someone who takes accountability for all my wrongdoing. But in that situation, I did absolutely nothing wrong. The only thing I did wrong is I didn't have a fucking car. That's the only thing I would have changed. 
So if I had a fucking car, everything would have been solved. Could take you to the greatest of dates you've ever been on. And actually drove you there. And um, not slam your father's car door when you dropped us off at the Stars and Strikes and we went bowling. But um, I didn't stay in my lane. I uh, guttered a lot of jokes in that vehicle. He was not feeling any of them. But I'm pretty sure now he'd feel a couple. I think he would like some of my jokes. But um, not to go off too much of a tangent, even though I don't really know a podcast I do that's not a tangent. But I do sign and co-sign them. Every single one. Never edit. Editing's for people who can't do it themselves and carry their own conversation. And also by default when you don't have the software to edit because you have a Google Chromebook and don't have the extra megabytes to download extra lineage, uh, Linux memory. And um, your computer is just not compatible. So you convince people that editing's not that important when it would probably be very important. It'd be much easier to put out clips for the channel, which I am working on putting clips out for the channel in the future. But from now on, you're just going to have to watch me and my uh, plaid tee button flannel by the way never work at uh these clothing stores like these old navies or american eagle even though old navy's like one of the most underrated places to go get some shit they always have a 70 percent off they're always um quote unquote going out of business but somehow they've been in business for like the past nine years while they're going out of business and old navies are always by a fucking shoe store like they're always by like a rack room or a dsw and old navy always got like 70 80 percent off good deals i've had this one for like actually i got this with a another girlfriend we went on black friday one year and uh i picked it out and uh, she actually chipped in and paid for it because it was kind of like her way to gift me something. And I was fine with it. It was like nine bucks. The best nine bucks I've ever gotten. But love is love. I wonder if I'm uh, compatible. I'm not one of those that feels like, no, I'll never find love. But... I do sometimes think about is the am, is my way of living the way I look at things, right? Is it really compatible for a for a realistic long term or even a midterm? Fuck short term. Like fuck long term. Can I get like a 3 or 4 year regretful where I like you know fuck it up somehow like can I just get that a midterm type of situation I don't know I feel like mine's either like my here's my windows I feel like I'm either gonna date a girl for like eight to nine months or less because I think once we always hit that six months they uh, start regretting it very heavily like I can't believe I actually let this guy love me for me. I can't believe it. But I always feel like it's either going to be nine months or less. Or 
we're going to be together for 15 years. There's no in between. Because a girl's either going to accept me for me and actually want to develop a life together and all that nonsense. Or they're going to know early on like this. I can't. Nah. You just. Nah, bro. Nah. And I can't even blame them. There's a lot of flaws to me. I can be very empathetic. But also not at the same time. I could be very I could be very um not caring for whatever your problems are, but I want you to be understanding of mine. I know, contradicting. I'm a flawed individual. See, I hold myself accountable. That's all you need to do. Hold yourself accountable. I'm a piece of shit. Men ain't shit. Me included. I do a fucking podcast in my room. I don't even care to do a fucking background. This is a fucking closet full of what? What's in In case you guys are wondering. See? I'm in such a restricted space. I can't even open my fucking closet. But I need to go in in order to come out. The last time I um, came out of the closet, I was dreaming. And, um... The boogeyman, he was um, twerking on me, and he said, come get it, faggot. I know, can't say those words. Can't say faggot. It is really a distasteful term. It's something, look, man, I know everyone thinks that, oh, Clint never did anything wrong in his life. I know, perfect child. Mom would highly disagree. But it's amazing how much I have become a professional at lying about myself by the way I perceive myself. Um, but what the fuck was I talking about? God damn it. You fucking whore, Clint. Oh, yeah. Shit. I really did fucking forget. God. By the way, I'm recording this at 3.42 a.m. on a Saturday. And I realized that the later I record, typically the suckier my train of thought are. Even though I do have a C4 drink. For the video audience, I have a C4. And um, if you've even been long enough to see for this part (laughs) oh god i'm really blowing this up um the toilet is asking for a call of duty for me but um i'm kind of in the middle of something in case i can't tell but um have you guys ever actually tell you a little story First apartment I lived in was actually with technically the first girl I dated, but it was years after we dated and we just lived together. Um, the toilet flush thing stopped working. And it's a pretty simple thing. You just call the maintenance dude. They fix it. It's free. You pay for fucking everything. Come out and fix it. For some reason, I got just in the habit of I didn't fucking care because I was too busy working 18 hours a day. That By the time I got home... It was like 3 in the morning. 
So I actually got in the habit of, this is like four or five months span. I would actually open the the back of the toilet uh, bowl, not the bowl, you know, the fucking thing where you lift it up and you can see all the little maneuvers, a little mechanical, all that shit. So I actually pulled the plastic thing that actually pulls it up, which actually makes the toilet flush from behind. It's like a manual way of doing it. I did that for like five, six months. Not even an exaggeration. The amazing things we do just out of fucking laziness. I probably actually could have just fixed it myself. But I didn't want to go to fucking Lowe's or Home Depot. I fucking hate going to Lowe's or Home Depot. Um... I actually probably didn't even need that. I just need a fucking toolbox. Because I'm a fucking tool. And um, I haven't learned to actually, you know, contain myself in a box by any means. I always seem to be... People always say, like, I'm a little out there. I'm a little out of the box. I really don't think so. I think I'm actually quite the opposite. If there's one insecurity of mine... God, look at Clint being fucking vulnerable. What a piece of shit. What a pussy. Is that I feel like that I am much more, let me rephrase that. I don't feel I'm as smart or intelligent as some people like to think I am. Because a lot of people, people that interact with me on a semi-daily basis or at least have known me for a semi-period of time. One of their biggest things is that, Clint, you can literally make an analogy you can talk about anything and you can literally make a reference like one of my great is like I can make a lot of references off the cup like that and just really kind of mold that and somehow make sense of it. And I'm a good bullshitter, which is one thing. Maybe I haven't been honest in all my relationships. I've been a heavy bullshitter. I don't. Here's the thing. Like, I'm not a liar. But. God. This is going to sound like something I would absolutely hate if I heard it from someone. But here I am. Part of the problem in the world. I never claimed I was part of the solution, but definitely didn't think it was a problem. Somewhere in between. But the only thing I'm in between is what I think. And I'm really thinking on the wrong side of history here. But I wouldn't say that I'm a liar because I don't really lie. But also don't really, um, because it's quite the opposite, like on opinions and shit, I'll always say it, but I'm also a believer that not every opinion needs to be heard with someone, not everything you feel about someone needs to be told to them, like there's a time and place for things, just saying shit out of spite, just saying shit because, you know, you want to keep the fire going. To me, it's not really a long-term thing. Maybe that's the problem. I think too much long-term that people in the short-term don't think that I can be in the long-term. Sorry, bigger picture. Um, But one of the critiques I've gotten from friends and otherwise is that you, uh, you try to outthink the room type of thing. And I think that that kind of stems from the fact that the only reason why I try to outthink the room is because typically people in the room with me, I don't think, think enough, to be honest. 
And I, that sounds more egotistical and like narcissistic than it really sounds. But here's what I look at. Typically people I'm friends with or I've been with in any capacity in life. I've always felt like in order for these people to actually talk to me. I really have to carry the conversation in a lot of ways. And that's a lot of burden and stress on someone. Like it's really because I think in today's world like. People don't really care to actually communicate in a direct way when you're physically there. I feel like we've kind of gravitated spaces and pauses in conversation the way that we text someone, in a sense. I feel like a lot of people say they want these deep, real, honest conversations about anything, whatever it may be. But I don't really feel like a lot of people... At least my people I've been around in my life. And this isn't like a shot towards their intelligence or nothing. But I don't really feel like they, with the exception of a few recently, I don't really feel like they could actually think toe-to-toe with me in that sense. And again, this is me thinking I'm kind of smarter than I am because I don't really think I'm that smart at the end of the day but I do think I think enough and I'm not afraid of putting myself out there to be wrong I'm really not I'm of the mindset to get it right then be right type of thing because my favorite radio host even to this day uh Colin Cowherd especially What people don't know is that I actually wanted to be a radio host, a sports radio host, have like a 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., noon to 3 p.m. on a big market type of show. That was like my goal in like 10th, 11th grade and stuff. I wanted to go to college to do that. And I remember the first first semester, right, I took a communicate. I took communications and it's probably I don't. I took communications, right? And I'm in these classes, and we have to do these impromptu speeches about some shit, right? One, th- I'll tell you the good and bad. Well, not the bad, but I'll tell you the benefits of actually taking the class that still bring me to this day is just getting in front of a group of peers, your individuals, your peers. And in a sense, you kind of, when you don't know what you're talking about, they used to grade, she used to grade you on anytime you said um, and any of the filler words, any of the things that would drag it out. Because you would have to do like, all right, eight, it would be a random show up to, all right, guys, eight minutes, come up here and she'll give you three topics. You'll have a couple minutes to think about it in your head. She'll have like three things and then you have to go up there and connect it together, tell either a story or tell something, including it, and actually make sense where even if you are wrong in what you're talking about you got to be able to speak about it with enough confidence and speak about it with such a presence that people in the audience are engaged and actually can at least believe that they can buy your bs and i really think i became a really good bser in a sense, which I do think is an important quality in life in general, 
is that it is important to be able to bullshit sometimes. Because even if you don't know what you're talking about, some right, if you have the skill set or at least the audacity, ironically, if you just have the ability to be able to BS your way into situations or the quote unquote BS your way into rooms just to get the opportunity to speak about whatever you're trying to get to. Like, I know nothing about, like, be honest, I, I'm not really well-versed on politics. That's why I don't really like fucking talking about it. Because I think for the most part, in most cases, it's just a waste of time circling around the same things over and over that some we don't have much control of in a lot of ways. But I do feel like if I were to have someone around my peer group who thinks they're like this Candace Owens wannabe or these are like a fucking Charlie Kirk douchebag twin doppelganger motherfucker like people that like really feel like they know what's best for the country and shit I really feel like if I were to have them on the show and just listen and I could tear down their argument as they're talking and then when I speak to them I could point out the contradictions some I'm really good at I could point out the fucking contradictions in any fucking thing you say which is kind of a problem because I always am cynical when someone's talking to me hence another issue I have being cynical um, always looking for the wrong in what people are saying instead of listening and digesting it all in a sense Again, I know it's a flaw. Am I going to stop anytime soon? Not at all. Um, But I wonder, do I look for the negative when people are speaking? Because if you can find the negative and the contradictions and the double standards in what people are saying, if you focus on that, you can completely negate their whole argument and everything they say is just nonsense, which makes what you Whatever your uh, counter response, whatever you piggyback off, it makes yours seem stronger if you at least have a linear uh, vision. Even if yours is complete nonsense, even if yours is literally idiotic, if it just at least can compatibility wise, if you do all those things, it can make sense for a for a unionizing thought. It's going to be better than someone who may have higher ceiling ideas, who may actually have abstract, who actually may have, you know, um, ideological changes in society that can actually maybe change issues we have. But if I can shoot that down, which I think is a lot of tactics when you listen to these debates and stuff, we you can nitpick anything. And something I've learned is that I can literally nitpick anything anyone says. And that's a character trait I really got to work on because that is not fun to be around. I even hate it when I do it, but I just can't help myself. It's like, hey, if I wake up and it's there, what do you want me to do? Just look at it, pat it on the head and be like, not today. I don't want you to feel weird by the time it's 1 p.m., Because if you do that early in the day, early in the morning, I don't care what people say. Your rest of your day is not going to be the same. That's why you always do it late at night or do it before you go to bed. Free game, even though 
you live long enough as a dude, um, it should just be your life at this point. But it's tactics. What I've learned and what you just notice. It's why I hate political debates or just debates in general. Because debates aren't really designed to get to the point when you really look at what it is. And it's not... what Debates aren't meant to get to a middle ground. It's meant for one person to prove to the other person why their point is wrong. And it's really in, in a, at its best... At its best, what debating is, is people going back and forth, breaking down any loopholes and whatever they're talking about, to break down any inconsistencies and what they're talking about. It's to break down each other's point to the point where you're getting down to what it's all about. Like when uh, Skip Bayless and Shannon are debating about LeBron. It's a common theme. Skip's always going to find everything wrong with LeBron. And by default, even if Shannon doesn't 100% agree with something LeBron doing, he has to double down on lifting him back up because Skip is just going to throw him through the, just throw him through the tile four. Shannon's just trying to keep him afloat. Like, damn, bro, what the fuck LeBron do to you? Do you fuck your wife? May have. And, by the way, side note, uh, Drake, actually, I, I actually sent this to a friend earlier, right? So, Drake took this uh, high school basketball player, like, top recruit, I'm assuming, took his mom out to a date. He literally rented out Dodger Stadium and took her on a little dinner date. In front of the fucking Dodgers dugout. I can't remember exactly, but I sent it. I sent it to a couple friends of mine. <laughs> and uh, I was like, Drake is definitely, Drake is definitely going to reference these, uh, this date on his Certified Lover Boy album. And... The lyrics I made up, some that Drake would say, is, hold on, let me make sure I pull up. I'm going to make sure I say it correctly. Do, do, do. But, by the way, Drake, uh, to me, is probably the, him and Sam Hunt are my favorite artists, by far. Um, boop, let me pull up. I have to pull up the IG. Um, but yeah, so... Do 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 do. Ooh ooh, this is such good content. God damn it, Clint, you're a fucking idiot. Do do. Okay, so I said I sent I sent the post to whoever, a couple friends of mine. I said word for word, this is gonna be a line in Drake's next album. <clears throat> yeah. She said I was trying to dodge her games, so to make it up to her, I took her to the dugout where the Dodgers play. Let me repeat that. She said I was trying to dodge her games, so to make it up to her, I took her to the dugout where the Dodgers play. Because, you know, Drake is really about that boss life. He does it in such a... 
he is the definition, if you really look at how he moves and how he operates, he is the definition of less is more. Silence and not commenting on every little thing. You know what's funny is that, yeah, people say he's like emotional in his music, but in real life, he's quite the opposite nowadays. He lets his emotional shit out and vulnerability out in his music because in real life, the dude's really a fucking savage. Look at the shit he does. Look how he doesn't acknowledge people, people who try to go after him with the exception of Pusha T. He lost that one. I love Drake, but hey, man, great dumpy freestyle, but the whole thing didn't make it look good, but whatever. Um, but Drake is really the fucking boss of this generation in entertainment when you really think about it. Other than, like, the LeBrons and stuff, but, like, in terms of a dude, the definition of his art persona, his music persona, is completely, it it really, he he really does line up his um, music persona with his real-life persona. The thing I think that makes Drake so palpable and thing that makes him still dominate and even have more meaning in every word he says is the fact that when you when he starts talking that shit, you can't you can't say anything to me from the double tree sweets. I do saying step your sweets up. That's off uh seeing green with Nikki and uh Lil Wayne. Which I think Drake had the best verse on that song, but whatever. When he starts talking about on the Migo song, he's like, "Look at the plane." I ain't saying the plane, but look at the plane. And he actually, you actually believe it because there's physical evidence. The dude has a fucking plane, and uh, it's in plain sight. But I think Drake is really—I know it's crazy as it sounds because he did just win Artist of the Fucking Decade. He really is maybe the biggest artist of all time when it's all said and done. Like, the dude doesn't have a song these days that doesn't hit. I don't know, man. But yeah, shout out to Drake. And now, one thing that on social media, they were saying, like, now girls are going to be on there saying the minimum. It's like, if you ain't trying to rip me out of the stadium, don't even bother. Hashtag 100. I'm on some new shit. And it's like, yeah, look. Um, some of y'all can't even, like, afford, like, you know. The second level seats of some of these games. So, my thing is like, look, man, I I just come from a belief you sh- nothing is obligated to you, regardless of society standards. Nothing is obligated to you just because of what you feel you deserve. Not to get on my preachy shit, but you should never ask for anything you can't offer yourself or you are not capable. Now, again, look, there's nothing wrong with 
getting married to someone that could provide you a life, that that's what you desire. You have every right to want what you want. That's, I think, a misconception in a lot of these things. Like, I'm not on the side of dudes getting mad. Ah, she's only with the dude for the money. It's like, you know what? She has every right to want to be with someone who has money and can offer her a life that you can't. Hey, man, that's just the facts of life. But that's a also realize if you meet someone that could provide that life for you, it is a privilege, not the standard. But I don't know. What do I fucking know? I don't have either. I have a little money, but not that much money. Alright. That was probably the worst episode ever. I may not even post this one. I'm going to look back on it. Probably not. But anyways. uh, Remember the follow on the IG. Uh, follow the tube. And um, suck some titties. Don't think I forgot. I never forget to suck some titties. I do need to suck some titties. Um... Hey, if anyone wants me to suck their titties, you know, comment below or send me a direct DM. And uh, I just might. Prostitution may be illegal, but I think there should be specific services for very specific thing. But yeah. All right, guys, go uh, suck some titties and um, remember to wash your hands. If you can. Alright guys.